Welcome to another episode of today's lesson, a Nick Cave podcast and boyfriend simulator. I'm Andrew. And I'm your hot boyfriend, Sean. And I'm your uh, demure, uh, aloof boyfriend, Andrew. And this is uh, my friend, Sean. Well, you know, I'm kind of the more rugged individualist type. I'm a, I'm a libertarian, and so if you want that kind of boyfriend, you got to pick me. <laughs> Everybody's looking for that libertarian boyfriend, and we got one. <laughs> it's I actually that's I'm I'm full of shit. I'm sorry. I'm the boyfriend that lies about his personality because he doesn't have one. <laughs> oh god, it's not true. It's not. You're true. not that. I'm not a libertarian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I can still be sensitive. That's right. Uh, as evidenced by your, uh, you know, incessant crying throughout each episode of the podcast, I've I've tried to cut as much of it as I can. But, um, and it's okay to cry. Just, uh, you know, on broadcast uh, podcasts like this, we need to be a little more professional. And I think you've been making great strides in that regard. Thank you. I've been, I've been trying. And, you know, what I've been trying to do is when I feel those emotions, let them out in big bursts very aggressively and then shove them all the way down to my feet and walk on them all day long. And I think it's really it's it's working out for me. So, again, if you want a boyfriend that does that, I'm your guy. You go through a lot of shoes doing that. They just sort of burst into flames after you know, you're pushing up that stuff down there. That's right. That's right. But again, I think it's the healthier option. So uh, listeners at home, please pick me as your boyfriend. Please. Speaking of extremely healthy relationships, Sean, you want to get right into talking about the final track on this album, Long Time Man? Let's fucking do it. This is uh, yeah, a track perhaps about the most unhealthy relationship you could possibly have. That's right. Um, it's, we're, this is a cover, but we are picking up on that thread sort of laid down, you know, throughout Cave's career so far, but, uh, certainly the first album is, is, you know, ripe with it. A lot of, uh, murder and, uh, relationships gone bad in the worst way. Yes. And this is no exception. I think the, the odd thing about this song though is that it is not a cave original andrew who who wrote this song yes this um was written and released by tim rose in 1967 he was a singer and songwriter that also uh, popularized hey joe a song that cave and hendrix would perform later so you know we rag on on nick for uh you know trafficking in this kind of subject matter but 
there were people before, you know, blues musicians, famously, as we've talked about, uh, these themes were prevalent. And, uh, yeah, Tim Rose, two for two. Uh, Nick Cave covered uh, both of these songs. And I would say, in fact, this might be one of the most faithful covers Cave's ever done, uh, musically and uh, you know, lyrically and performance-wise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with a few, like, probably two or three exceptions it's it's the same song very much the same composition um similarly hey joe is actually very similar to tim rose's version as well i think i think cave had a great reverence for tim rose um an artist that i was largely unfamiliar with before this but as you were saying it's just interesting to see uh kindred spirit coming before cave inspiring him in such a direct and you know obvious way that Cave would largely leave his songs untouched, which we haven't seen with some of the bigger covers that he's done. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, even his reverence for Cohen uh, is so well documented. He changed the hell out of Avalanche, uh, at least musically and in the mood. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's also interesting with this song in particular because the, the title, Long Time Man, uh, Tim actually took an older song um long time man that that focused more on the grief of one trapped behind bars for missing life on the outside really a, a physical and emotional disconnect from the world based on you know whatever it was that put them behind bars but but talking about you know missing their mother and not getting letters and, and stuff like that um and transformed it in such a way that it really became a character study um, and so for Cave then to not put his own mark on it, I think, is another another uh, sign of reverence for what it was Tim did for this song. Because uh, the older version was covered by Terry Belafonte, Bob Dylan, uh, Bobby Darin, the guy that gave us Beyond the Sea, and is really a softer, kind of more wistful look at, at prison life. And Tim Rose came in and made it real, real grim, real, real grim. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Cave's uh, you know preoccupation with uh, incarceration, especially on this album and the last, uh, you could you could definitely uh, find a through line there. Cave's reverence also extended to encouraging Tim Rose to start playing live again and start playing music again, and he would go on to support Nick Cave at the Royal Albert Hall in London, um, which kind of restarted Rose's career for a while. He was releasing albums in the two thousands. Um, yeah, so able to help out a, an idol of his. Yeah, that, that was really cool um, reading about just because it sounded like in 97, that was Tim Rose's first performance in 20 years. And Cave had reached out and said, you know, come and perform with us, you know, come and come and do this stuff because he had covered Hey Joe and they got to play Hey Joe together on stage. Um, I was also reading an interview with Cave back in 97 that said that they were going to with... Um, Warren Ellis and Barry Adamson, among others, go back into the studio and actually record new stuff with Tim Rose. And digging into that a bit, I thought that the album didn't materialize, but there was a 97 release by Tim called Haunted, which was largely um, a re-release of previous works with some new material. And take this as you will with a grain of salt, but song uh, singer info songsinger.info has a little biography of Tim Rose and it says that a lot of that new material that was on that album was actually produced by Cave. Um, I can't, I cannot find that credited anywhere. There's very little other information about the album, 
but it, it does sound like he had a direct hand in restarting the man's career in 1997. We want to believe. I do. Um, if you go out and look for that album, Haunted by Tim Rose, it has the weirdest fucking cover on Spotify right now. Uh, the original album cover is very Dolly-esque. It's, it's awesome. It's got like, it's just so much imagery and it looks like a weird, um, it's a very odd painting. And right now on Spotify, it looks like a disturbed album. It has like a weird ghost girl clutching a rosary and the worst font in the world. And I don't know where that came from, but I found that pretty funny. Fantastic. <laughs> Glow up. Exactly. And again, I couldn't find any information as to why that might be the case. Who fucking knows? Who indeed? Want to get into this uh, good music? Hell yeah. Let's do it. Um, starting out, something interesting about the song is that the backing vocals sound mostly like uh, Nick himself, um, which is a departure from some of the tracks we've heard and definitely from tracks we'll hear in the future. It doesn't sound as much like Mick or the other members of the band. It's it's mostly Cave here. Um, the song is very full. Most of the arrangements on this album have been, you know, more fleshed out, as we've talked about. But the song just feels, you know, it's not falling apart. It's not a cacophony. It just kind of sounds like a song. Yeah. Um, which to me is is kind of indicative of where we're starting to head with this band. Yeah, no, this this as the last official track on the album as it stands with this track listing um, really feels like a great closer. Like you said, it's, it's super full. The whole band gets to contribute. Um, that's interesting about the backing vocals. It's not totally unprecedented. We had some on the first album where it was, you know, echoes of Nick coming in on Nick and we have a couple in the future um, some of my lesser favorite tracks are really obvious about it but this is one where yeah if you listen it really does sound like a layered um, cacophony of caves coming in with these offset backing vocals <laughs> but it adds a adds a great deal of depth to the song and a great deal of um, coherence to the whole thing um, and so when it ends it really ends in kind of a jam that we haven't heard yet but does lend itself to a great uh, stepping stone to the future of the seeds. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe lends um, something to the solitary nature of the song that it's, you know, the same, same voice uh, lamenting uh, what's happened. hundred percent. And and the music itself, I think um, just on a lot of the phrases uh, we haven't, it's a, it's a weird style. It's one that doesn't really show up on many other tracks, um, in that a lot of these phrases are kind of left open, um, on their last notes for Nick to fill in with lyrics. And it, it adds a really wistful kind of mind wandering sort of vibe to it. Um, which, you know, paints for me, at least the character getting lost in his thoughts and, you know, circling around and, um, he he's really driving this with the music uh giving him that platform and so i i totally think that the the backing vocals being he himself is another you know just piece of this guy getting trapped inside getting trapped inside his head and and wondering you know where things went wrong or uh just trying to deal with the fallout of knowing exactly where it went wrong exactly yeah yeah do you want to get into the lyrics now yeah let's do it um we can just, yeah, start at the start. It's it's one of those things, this, uh, just to preface, is one of the most straightforward tracks we've heard from Cave yet. You know, it's a cover, it's somebody else, but um, 
I, I, there's not a whole lot of mystery here, and so we might move a little quickly, but uh, there are some points of focus that I want to call out as we, as we move through that are interesting, at least um, you know, transitioning from Tim Rose's version to Caves, being that they're so similar, there are a couple little differences. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dive right in. Absolutely. Um, verse 1. Yeah, they came to take me away, said I'd be sitting here for the rest of my life, but I don't really care. I shot my wife, and brother, I can't even remember the reason why. Boom. Oh, it makes a long-time man feel bad. Yeah, it makes a long-time man feel bad. Well, I ain't had no love since I don't know when. It sure makes a long-time man feel bad. And we're jumping right in. I mean, this is just, like I said, one of the more straightforward, lyrically, songs we're ever going to get from Cave. Um, But he just shot his wife. He's sitting in jail. He's he's got nothing, you know, but time to think about what he's done, and for the life of me, can't remember why. Which uh, I, I guess you know lends itself to a reading where this man might have a problem with drugs or alcohol, as both Tim and Cave did at the time. Uh, definitely a possibility. It might be that he's, um, you know, bottling things in, uh, pushing them down to his feet, and having uh, severe outbursts of emotion. And that's just not healthy. I don't know who would ever do that. I, w- I certainly wouldn't want to be in a relationship with that kind of person. Um, yeah, in the chorus, you know, long-time man. You can take that as, you know, long-time in prison, you know, sentenced to long-time uh, behind bars. You can take it as, you know, long-time in a relationship, had a wife. Uh, just a very simple but effective phrase a simple and effective sort of uh name for this character the long time man so right into verse two we was down in jacksonville a cold winter night my baby and i we began to fight i heated up and i grabbed my gun i got so i get so cold on those nights down south she was laying in a pool right there on the kitchen floor she looked up at me and began to smile her gasping words baby i love you and then she closed those baby blue eyes so my delivery there was, you know, pretty phenomenal. I, I'm a great orator. But to hear Cave on the track is something else in this verse. And I, I just, I adore this. I've always adored this track for that. Um, the way he kind of whines and moans out these lines. Um, it, it's it's so emotive. It, it gives a great deal of pain, but it's, it's the sort of pain that isn't necessarily um, directed to the victim here. It's, it's that self-pitying kind of whiny pain when he says, um, you know, began to smile and um, grab my gun. It's it's this sort of thing where he's kind of recounting it to himself. And I, I just feel like this character, um, as it's being fleshed out, is being fleshed out primarily through the delivery and, you know, becomes kind of a pitiful thing, um, especially here. Someone that I'm not necessarily inclined to to feel too bad for, given the way he's recounting all of this. Yeah, man, you you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I think uh, I think this is one of his best uh, vocal performances so far, and you know maybe in his whole career. I especially after all the uh, indefensible quote unquote protagonists we've had. I mean, we're just kind of jaded at this point, right? <laughs> like, we've heard it all, whatever. But 
his performance really, I mean, you can't pity this guy at all. Obviously, he's a piece of shit. You know, whether these problems come from, you know, what what part of his brain or what part of his life these problems are coming from that would make him violent. Uh, you know, perhaps he's insane. You know, perhaps he's just a piece of shit. Um, but Cave's performance here, and, and Rose's performance is... is excellent don't get me wrong but i think a lot of songs on this album in particular his vocal performance and his emotion save some songs from at least as far as i'm concerned potentially being somewhat mediocre or at least middle of the road compared to where he would go and where he's been but yeah i just uh yeah the lines you mentioned in particular uh so much freedom, so much energy, and so much care put into each line. Um, very rare. Yeah, no, and he, I mean, this is just the complete opposite of, of Avalanche that we heard, where he's not, it felt like there he was kind of defiling the song and tearing it up. And this, he's just, he's adding so much color. He's adding so much to that original performance, because I think he just, he, he feels these lines so deeply it comes across. Um, he feels them so deeply. It, it almost feels like, you know, he would have wanted to have written these the way he delivers them. It's, it's very <laughs> personal. Um, and like you said, Rose's version is fantastic. It's just, it's, it's less nuanced. It's, it's more straight ahead. It's growly. It's angry. Um, whereas here we get, a, a more pitiful, uh, again, pitiful character, um, as we've seen in a couple of these tracks where, you know, they're conflicted for, for very selfish reasons. And I think we're getting that again. Yeah, and, the, and, and we go to the chorus again um, after that verse. You know, the well I ain't had no love since I don't know when. That could be like a really man out in the wilderness howling at the moon, lonely, you know, just kind of... that could That's a relatable line and his delivery makes you feel it. Yeah. And then you're, you know, you're hearing him say like, I get so cold in those nights down south. Like, what kind of a defense is that for what you've done? You know, it's, he's making excuses. Well, I ain't had no love since I don't know when. Yeah, I wonder why, dude. You know, you, you blew it. You absolutely blew it in the worst way. But goddamn, you're listening to the song, you're having a good time, and you're like, shit. Exactly. I feel Ex you, man, in a weird way. <laughs> Try not to feel you. But the humanity yeah. just pours out of the performance. It's, yeah. Exactly. No, it's, it's one That's of a things. great way. Oh, great way to say it it's why i love cave it's, it's why i love listening to this dark ass shit and you know just feeling something for it um and it's it's a true power that he has to to make us do that um and i love that line since i don't know when it it really to me you know calls out that even in this relationship maybe he didn't feel like he had any love and that's you know ultimately why he can't remember why he did it. he just didn't even care and you know perhaps going back to his childhood all these all these things that well up and you know create a man like this he can't even remember a time when he was ever loved and so now he's bemoaning the fact that you know he perhaps almost had something but couldn't quite grab it which is a theme we've seen on this album a bunch um and so it, it really does slot nicely in here for cave um to to have ended ended this album with you know someone else's song that he's put his stamp on so uh so lightly but so definitively yeah and th that's a great point about 
the the line there um you know it could be just a dude in jail saying you know we don't know where he is in his timeline like maybe he's just yeah. been in jail and he uh it's just and i i haven't had any companionship for a while but uh i do like the reading of taking it all the way back and to the genesis of this character yeah yeah either that or like you're saying the he, he's been away for so long maybe he's lost track of time he's just in his head and can't tell when it was he actually even did this i yeah there, there's a lot of ways to take that moving on to verse three sometimes i hear you call my name in the dead of the night which is again great delivery there yeah it sure makes a long time man feel bad i ain't had those arms around me i ain't had those lips around me hey hey <laughs> it sure makes a long time man feel bad um the lips is a nice kind of nefarious uh ending <laughs> uh if you choose to read it that way she must have had a huge mouth to be able to just put them all the way around him that, <laughs> yeah that's, like, that's one oh, way to read it unless he oh gross <laughs> ew i just got it we're not you know this boyfriend simulator doesn't doesn't do that <laughs> We're very prim and proper. That's right. And um, ignorant of basic, basic, basic things, um, as we've demonstrated on previous episodes. Uh, we are mostly large babies. And so know that when you're using this simulator that it's it's a strange, fully clothed, employed baby that it is you're dating. We're like um, Barb or Ken dolls, I guess. They're just <laughs> totally smooth and plastic underneath. <laughs> everywhere with very empty heads my clothes are glued on with hot glue <laughs> um anyway that's that song um how, how do you feel about this one overall i i like it i can find no fault with it as i said it's a great uh segue into what more is to come on the albums ahead uh, that said, it is a cover, and there's little here to dissect. There's there's stuff to talk about. It's it's emotive. It's one of the best vocal performances we've heard from him, um, and I I love the background of it. Uh, but altogether, kind of a kind of a slight closer. Um, it's a great jam. I I can't necessarily. It, it's hard for me to place it among the others on the album um, or give it too much praise given that it's a cover and maybe i'm being too harsh on it for that but um a great song that i can find little fault in on an album that's just full of great songs yeah i think you and i are just going to be more apt to knock points off for covers just because we're more interested in in cave stuff but yeah i mean i think we're we're about on the same page it was really hard for me to rank this one um stay tuned for our for our uh our our final lists at the end of uh at the end of this episode by the way yeah, very exciting stuff. You all have been waiting a long time, listeners, uh, for these rankings. But they're, they're coming. They're coming. And I don't want to give too much away by my description here, but I might have just now. Um, and and one last thing about this song. I did I did forget this moments ago. Um, the lines, I ain't had those arms around me. I ain't had those lips around me. Uh, those are cave originals. Those were not in the original song. And I believe those are the only two lines that were added uh, by cave which is, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. I think it kind of adds to uh, our gut instinct of what the uh, lips line is referring to. I think it uh, feels more 
cave-esque to throw that in. Um, Very true. To to pretty much kill all pity we have for the character and imagining him in jail just being like, well, wish I had the, wish I had something to keep me occupied. <laughs> it's, I feel so bad for killing my wife. I can't remember why I did it. Boy, I wish she would suck my dick. Yeah, we're, we're just somebody. Hey. <laughs> um, Anybody? Yeah, I think I think that's his last. Um, I'm just going to kill everybody's <laughs> pity for my unpitiable character. And that's Longtime Man. Uh, with our track listing and the order in which we went through with the original pressing, uh, that's the end of the album. However, on the original CD release of the album, there is a ninth track in addition to a scrambling of all of those songs. The ninth track being Scum. Andrew. What can you tell us about Scum? Yes, this song is uh, is a Cave original. Um, lyrics by him, music by Mick Harvey. This song involves Cave himself, um, sort of a rarity in his work. He, he, at least to this point, has been telling stories about other characters and other events. But the subject of this song is Matt Snow, a journalist who actually makes an appearance in the 14-part the documentary, Do You Love Me Like I Love You, uh, which is required viewing. Get to it. Um, Nick Cave and Anita Lane lived with him uh, for a while. And uh, long story short, things didn't go so great. But Mute had sent Snow, who was a music journalist, a pre-release tape of the second album, The Firstborn is Dead. And... You know, he mentioned that the album didn't have the same dramatic tension as the first. Um, you know, he was very critical of Nick's heroin use. And uh, Nick didn't like any of that. And so he responded to uh, Matt Snow's review with this uh, diatribe, basically. <laughs> um, journalist Antonella Black uh, is also referenced here. Um, she wrote a piece on Cave titled A Man Called Horse, which was critical of his heroin usage. Yeah, like you said, this is this is interesting for Cave to make the work so personal as we, we definitely haven't seen that. He's actually talked about not liking to do that uh, up to this point, but it seems that his interaction with Snow was just that bad, which reading about it is pretty funny because what it sounds like is that he and Anita needed a place to crash and Matt was like hey you can stay with me and as Matt tells it in interviews afterwards Nick was you know a, a courteous heroin user he kind of hid it and didn't make it a big thing and you know they just kind of quietly moved out but it really sounds like he kind of put himself out for him and then <laughs> to to have to go and bruise Nick's ego with you know a less than glowing review because he gave the first album a fucking fantastic review and the second one he just said that's eh, not the first album, which going back and listening that's I don't know was my take forever it's not it's 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 a weird turn and it doesn't have I think a lot of the same tension it's it's good in other ways as we talked about but um you know a fairly realistic interpretation from a reviewer would be what Snow wrote. 
And uh, I mean, I straight up disagree with that statement that he said, but it's a totally fair statement to make. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like it's not even it's not a stretch. It's not coming after Cave um, again to hear Snow tell it. He has no animosity towards the man, um, and it actually came out. He was doing an interview with him um, right before the release of this album. And it was going terribly. Like, Cave showed up late. When he got there, he wasn't answering all these questions. And Snow was like, hey, dude, what's what's going on? And Nick looked at him and said, I think you're an asshole. And then told him that he was writing a song about him. And <laughs> that's just the funniest, weirdest, bruised <laughs> ego thing at the time to just be like, I fucking hate you. You opened your door to me. And then you said something that I didn't like about my music. And so you fucking piece of shit literally as we'll see in this song um yeah we weren't there you know we don't know maybe he was exactly who knows who knows who knows who was doing what but i think you know i think we can sort of infer some things from the song that are pretty fun and with that do you want to dive into the music yeah definitely um the music is very raw compared to the rest of the album i think it feels more at home or would feel more at home on the first album or even a birthday party album it does have a weird time signature i couldn't really follow it it definitely changes up um pretty often and then it has uh these breakdowns of that are in four four that kind of have that cabin fever sound um that humming guitar or bass or whatever it is yeah. um but yeah it, it hearing it after all these albums you can really tell that it is a separate entity and yet in its way it feels like nick's musical defense against you know being called soft basically or something lacking intensity it's like not only is it maybe an overreaction uh lyrically but it feels like well okay we'll try this one yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's as fucking brutal as a, of a rebuttal as you can get. It's it's juvenile. It's crass. It's it's just in your face. And like you said, it is really a callback to the intensity of both the birthday party and that first album, um, with none of the introspection of what we're seeing in the seats. <laughs> just a full on assault against this man who's wronged Cave. Um, and the music it really strikes me as a more cogent Wings Off Flies. It's that same sort of like tinny raw um metallic you know strange piece but it, it's the composition is such that it doesn't feel like it's about to fall apart ever even when the time signature changes even when we're on this weird kind of swing beat um it just it feels like a more refined um and far more aggressive swing at somebody who said oh, you kind of lost it on this second one yeah definitely i mean i i tinny is a great word it does have less uh less low end less um less ambience it's very raw yeah yeah well let's get into the the lyrics i mean it's going to be a similar thing now this is a cave original but you know the music and i think the delivery here are what is important you know go listen to the song just like with long time man you know we i think i speak for both of us we have respect for the place and time in which this song was written and it's a it's a nice oddity but this ain't no sad waters in terms of uh you know the way it makes us feel or the way we can dive into 
uh, you know, illusion or biblical reference. So we're just going to kind of roll through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got as much subtlety as somebody telling somebody else to their face, go fuck themselves. (laughs) So some, some funny turns of phrase, but not a whole lot to dig into. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's kick it off with verse one. Uh, we start with this kind of bluesy intro that almost, you know, this part almost feels like it could land on firstborn is dead. Yeah. Well, I lived with one. Well, I lived with one. I lived with two. I even lived with a third. I want to tell you about number one. He was a miserable shit ringing turd. Like he reminded me of some evil gnome. <laughs> shaking hands was like shaking a hot, fat, oily bone. Um, <laughs> holding on for far too long. I mean, this this to me, the holding on for far too long. You know, you could kind of see maybe oh, this is a journalist. They're trying to you know, schmooze us musicians, maybe he wants to be a hanger on. I, you know, the amount of times I've seen this guy talk about cave could be something there. I didn't really get a negative impression of this guy though, in any of the interviews. <laughs> no. So it seems a little unwarranted to me. It does. A lot of scatological imagery here. Um, mm-hmm. Evil tell you about gnome. Evil gnome. Um, and then holding on for far too long and shaking a hot, fat, oily bone really reminds me of just, you know, trying to shake out a turd that just won't fall. Um, <laughs> and it, it's holding on for far too long. Um, again, not nothing here with any amount of subtlety, but just a lot of uh, man's a piece of shit in Cave's eyes. Indeed. Yes, he took me in. He took me in. He said that I looked pale and thin. I told him he looked fat. His lips were red and licking wet. His house was roast and hot. In fact, it was a fucking slum. Scum. Scum. <laughs> so this yes, he took me in. He took me in almost feels like, okay, yeah, he was really nice to me. But <laughs> wait till you hear what I have to say. He commented on the fact that I'm a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him he looked fat. <laughs> um yeah lips red and licking wet sort of a there's a couple ways you could take that i i get like a weird you know with this house roasting hot it was like he's the fucking devil <laughs> it's just like i'm pretty sure you might be over exaggerating but like the devil is know. a suckling pig like yeah. <laughs> just imagine this man roasting but also just living in a house of flames a real slum ah uh. And scum, scum, man, man again, real piece of shit. Uh, Moving into verse two. Well, then he hooked up with some slut from the game, black snow, black snow, cocksuctress, and I should know, mean and vicious, her microphone always smelled suspicious, his and herpes bath towel type, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I, we don't. I don't. Fact. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, dude. Like it's, it it sounds like he hooked up with somebody in their circle that Nick had hooked up with, and uh, he is claiming that perhaps that person masturbates with their microphone and has STDs. It's yeah, it's possible. I hooking up with some you know slut from the same game. It makes me think and. And saying black snow, black snow, um, this uh, this other journalist, Antonello Black, 
You have Black and Snow, the names of the two journalists. So I think, yep. I think maybe he is. This may not have even happened, but he's imagining them both part of the same game, scum, you know, slut. A lot of, a lot of, you know, really horrible things to say about this person. But and her microphone smelling suspicious. You know, she was a journalist. She was an interviewer. It could be that he would know based on not actually having been with this person, but based on like, oh yeah, no, I've had to deal with this person too. They said bad things about me, so they're really a match made in heaven. You're, that a hundred percent. No, that clarifies everything. I didn't even put that together into Nella Black. Um, oh Jesus, he hates them all. He hates them both. <laughs> he probably hated many other journalists after that. <laughs> I, in Cave, you know, this was a period where I think he was using um, quite a bit, um, and in not maybe the best place. So, you know, I, I always wonder if maybe he regrets. Um, certain things about writing this i'm sure he looks back at this with a lot more humor now but at the time really really vitriolic yeah very very brutal and i haven't heard i haven't seen anything about him kind of doing a retrospective on this but that would be very interesting um continuing on i could not look at him worm he'd be taking a shower and who should walk in he was the epitome of their type her middle name was welcome his was wipe scum scum uh, what do, what do you make of this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yep. I think he's, I don't know, wiping his shoes, wiping his ass with Welcome these people. Welcome mat imagery. Yeah. yeah. Ass wipe imagery. Just, uh, a lot, just of imagery, a, a lot of vitriol. Yeah, exactly. And well, you're on the shit list. Thrust and twist, twist and screw. You gave me a bad review. <laughs> and maybe you think that it's all just water under the bridge. Well, my unfriend, I'm the type that holds a grudge. I'm your creator. I think you fucking traitor, chronic masturbator, shit licker, user, self abuser, jigger, jigger. What rock did you crawl from? Which did you come? You Judas, Brutus, Vetus scum. That's a whole lot of shit. It's a whole lot of shit. Very ahead of his time, actually, uh, with the unfriending. I, I think yeah. that he was <laughs> foreshadowing our social media world. But, and before uh, the movie The Grudge. <laughs> that's right. I hadn't seen that word before that. Um, <laughs> but he's getting very petty here. <laughs> and he's calling it Extremely. out straight up. You gave me a bad review well my unfriend it's it's <laughs> this is someone writing a letter with a quill it is. <laughs> someone with a recumbent bicycle getting mad about this he's posting this on next door and uh yeah it's uh it's devolving at this point he's he's finally brought out why he hates this person and i've as with many other characters on this album have very little sympathy for gabe at this point yeah, exactly. We really start to see the the connection there between him and some of his subjects. Um, my favorite line in this is probably the most innocuous. I'm your creator. Yeah. Um, yeah, guess what? No music journalist without my shit. Here's your new single. It's called Scum. It's about you. <laughs> what a... It's so petty, but it's also such an alpha move, right? Yep. Yep. And it, it for There's a... another for treat. <laughs> exactly i'll give you something Dog to write about animal. 
I'm gonna wipe my <laughs> shoes on you. Here's another little scrap. Um, yeah, and and for you know an artist who by this point has had quite a bit of um, you know Messiah imagery, God imagery, all this you know Christian stuff. It's it's interesting to see him kind of take that in the personal direction and find himself the creator of someone that he loathes, um, which I think the irony was probably not lost on cave when reading old biblical texts and that, you know, this omniscient omnipresent creator of all demands fealty and, and praise from his subjects. And so that's what makes this song even funnier to me is that I think that cave is very introspective about a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, very takes metaphors and allegories and, and applies them to life and finds humor and, and thought provoking ideas in that. And then the moment that he is triggered in such a way that, you know, he's observed up to this point, he just flies off the fucking rails and <laughs> writes something like this. Um, and for him to release something off the rails after the last, you know, couple albums, it's like, damn. Yeah. you. Oof, this it's, is more intense than, you know, probably the other most uh, self-referential song, Box for Black Paul. I mean such a yeah. different different version of that yeah exactly i mean this is coming from something so demure something so you know dirgy this is just an all-out fucking attack and yeah an interesting interesting foil i hadn't thought about that but very much so um i also really like the the line you judas brutus vitus scum um <laughs> because i'm big black sabbath fan and saint vitus dance is a great song um, and it made me go read about that. But uh, what's interesting is that Judas and Brutus, obviously big betrayers in history, uh, Judas, the betrayer of Jesus, uh, Brutus, the betrayer of Caesar. Vitus was just a saint. Vitus was actually um, someone who didn't betray. And that was what he was known for in legend, at least, was uh, maintaining his faith through <laughs> what sounds like an incredible amount of torture. Uh, his father tortured him. Other people tortured everywhere he went. People tortured him just so that he'd drop his faith. And he was like, "No, not going to do it." And he died and he became a saint. Um, lots of feasts all around the world. But it, it seems like this odd kind of ray of perhaps introspection from Cave to say that you're a betrayer, you're a betrayer. But you know, in the same way that this this icon is revered for maintaining his faith maybe there's a little bit of respect therefore in the face of this you know brutal assault for maintaining that he still has a reasonable opinion about something even if the creator himself doesn't agree with it i don't know it was, it was an interesting pickup to have these three names in a row and maybe it's just because they fucking rhyme um <laughs> but vitus was kind of the odd man out there and and i like the, it yeah yeah that's a that's a juicy little little nug in something this, there uh, yeah, or, or at the very least, you know, calling him stubborn. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if St. Vitus is known for anything, it's that. Or actually, so St. Vitus dance is actually um, rheumatic fever makes somebody convulse and look like they're dancing. And so that's what St. Vitus dance is. And so I don't think that has a whole lot of tie in here, but something to think about, you know. Mm -hmm. You don't hey, have to four think about eyes that. come. That's right. It's a gun. Faces bubble blood and brute street. Snowman with six holes clean into his fat fucking guts. Psychotic Jesus. drama mounts. Guts well deep, then a spring is found. I unload into his eyes. Blood springs, dead snow, blue skies. Wow. 
You get arrested for posting something like that on Twitter about somebody. I was gonna say these days can't do that. Yeah, it's like you know, even if you're one of those like cancel culture is bad kind of people. I mean, it's like (laughs) there's no ambiguity here. He even starts with "That's right, it's a gun." (laughs) If you had any doubts at all. Snowman. I could be talking about any snowman. Well, well, not really. No, <laughs> there's a lot of evidence here that you're talking about me. I I do like the the poetic phrase "guts well deep than a spring is found." Uh, yes, again, kind of lends itself to that angry 14th century writer writing a very mean letter to a um, to a critic of his. I with a with a feather quill. I, I enjoy that. It's it's a brief moment of poetry within a very uh, juvenile diatribe. Absolutely. I mean, that that's a great line. Um, you know, Blood Springs, Dead Snow, Blue Skies is kind of a cool little triplet there, except it's about what it's about. So it kind of, <laughs> yeah. it kind of keeps me from really getting way into it. But yeah, the spring is found line. Oh. Oh, yep. so good. Otherwise, yeah, I like that this also starts with, hey, four eyes. Um, you know, <laughs> he's made fun of this man for being fat. He's made fun of him for having glasses. He's, this is schoolyard bully shit. This is. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, if someone tells you they didn't like your album as much as the last one, it's fair game. You can threaten their life. <laughs> uh, you can insult their personal appearance. And uh, it's all fair game. I hope Cave has changed because... <laughs> oh, man, we're fucked, dude. We are <laughs> fucking fucked at certain <laughs> points. Holy shit. Yeah. Maybe we'll shelf this one for a while. Um, <laughs> no, we're not afraid to speak our minds. And I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure... A, he wouldn't give a shit about our two goofy asses and b he's probably mellowed out mellowed out quite a bit and and honestly my reaction would be much the same as snow's in you know interviews about this song he even says that he's he's honored to have this written about him um he thinks it's funny as fuck and he said that his future wife uh was a nick cave fan and when they got together it was nice to have, you know, something to make into their song. And ultimately, he'd, he'd rather have this come out, something that he can just, you know, laugh about a main track on a CD pressing than be some footnote somewhere saying, you know, oh, and Nick hated this dude he lived with for a bit. He he thinks that this is the greatest thing. So that filled me Happy with a ending. lot of joy. Time heals Happy all wounds. Ending. Lots of... Uh people are, are are fond of this song i think it's one of the more famous um b-sides overall yep. um yeah so hey blue skies baby that's right didn't even have no dead snow just blue skies mm-hmm. so that's scum we are going to get into uh album wrap up yeah we're at the end holy shit this is this is it yeah the the fourth album um the third that we've looked at uh we're 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 trucking along yeah i guess i 
the first thing I'd like to ask is just kind of, you know, is this is this sort of the end of an era or the beginning of a new era for Cave? Like, what where does this album fit in? Do you think with w- what we've looked at so far? Yeah, this is this is as I've said before, an album that I never really gave much attention to. Um, but now that we've gone through and really dissected it in the way we have, this feels to me as an invaluable piece to to really see the growth and movement of the band from their birthday party roots to where we're going to go um, as the final phase in a journey from goth punk to whatever the fuck it is we have today. And, you know, there's a big juicy center where they bounce around a lot and, you know, continue to develop and grow and stretch out. But um, this doesn't necessarily, it feels like both the end of an era. These first three albums to me feel like they're very much a part of a singular era. Um, but then once we kick off, it almost feels like the next album is something of a rebirth. And so it, it's different from a lot of other bands. I feel like, um, you know, when I think about bands growth over time, it's, you know, Zeppelin, one through four, things changed not that much even as they ended things kind of went in a weird direction um sabbath went all over the place but really had this you know common thread nickelback you you know what's coming up next when they release an album um but this is the final phase in the seeds developing what seeds are and defying classification uh with cave at the helm and so we have this warbly introspective melancholy desperate album um, that leads us into uh, something that I couldn't possibly spoil by giving it any sort of classification. Um, that you know, none of it sounds the same from this point on, but it it all very much sounds like the seeds. And so it's it's a very exciting birth or <laughs> very exciting death and rebirth. Um, not to put too fine a point on it or or gush too much, but those are my those are my two cents, Andrew. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's, um, for me, it's sort of the end of an era. Um, it is more transitional than the, the last, you know, few albums. Um, but we're going to get some some lineup changes um, with the next album. And, and yeah, we won't spoil too much about it. But I, I think, yeah, it is a it is a reset in a lot of ways. And so for me, this is kind of the end of, end of an era. Um, this album is it's just so middle of the road for me. This, this is one of the ones I came to at the very, you know, end of listening through all the albums. And, uh, it definitely was a grower for me. Like, uh, firstborn is dead. I, um, yeah, I, I, this listen through, I probably appreciated it more than ever. It does so many things that, that the first couple don't do. It has probably the best musical and vocal chops. Um, it kind of lacks for me it does this album is the one that kind of lacks the dramatic flair of from her to eternity and it doesn't really have the cohesiveness of the firstborn is dead for me Uh, but it's very diverse very fun to listen to you never really know where you're going next um but of this original trilogy not including kicking against the pricks i think this is this is probably at the bottom of the list for me um, and I was kind of curious where this one and the other two rank for you. 
So yeah, this one is, I think we're, we're very much aligned. Um, this one is fallen at the bottom of the first three. And so first album, um, from her to eternity, definitely number one for me, um, coming in then firstborn is dead. And then we have your funeral, my trial ranked on the basis of albums that I'm going to go back to and listen to all the way through, or, you know, pick out a good majority of the songs to add to any given day's playlist. Um, and that's not to, again, remove any of the import that this album has to the overall journey. It's just, it's more understated. I think that, you know, the the songs on this album don't necessarily stick together like the first two uh, their track listings did. Like you said, it's not as um, cogent. It doesn't, it doesn't hold together as well as a singular piece. Um, that said, I have more respect for it now than I ever have. And so it's not a dig at the album at all. Um, to say that it's my least favorite of the three because it's still it's still up there as far as albums go in general yeah i 100 percent agree I'll, I'll usually go through a couple songs on this one at a time um as opposed to listening to the whole thing i think for me i i have the firstborn is dead slightly above from her to eternity and then that one slightly above this one like they're they are all pretty close for me but I think, um, again, you know, the music and vocals really do it for me here. Whereas, you know, the lyrics and, and, you know, subject matter for me just kind of fall a little short of the other two. But yeah, I think we're pretty aligned on that. I I definitely enjoyed this album more than ever listening through it and, and talking about it with you and our beautiful, beautiful listeners. That's right. It's, it's all of you guys that are making us do this. And so selfishly, I appreciate all that you do for us. Thank you, everyone out there. And with that, uh, it's time to get into ranking the songs on this album. Um, we're going to be including Scum, you know, as part of this. Um, we'll just mention where we slide it in. And uh, yeah, uh, we want to start worst to best on this one or best to worst? Let's do worst to best. Keep that tension going. Let's do it. Sean, and, and worst is a strong word, because I think you and I both, for the most part, like all of these songs. Yep. Um, or at least some things about them. So, you know, it's, it's a scale of maybe like B minus to A at the end of the day. And just coming right out the gate, there are no clunkers on this album. There's nothing that I'm putting at the bottom of the list, because it clearly deserves to be there. It's just comparatively, yeah. I don't feel as much attachment, or for whatever reason, don't feel as strongly about it as i do about some of the other ones all right all right andrew what's your worst song i'm going to just tell everybody to put away your your pitchforks and your uh torches um stranger than kindness does not really do anything for me and wow. i have to i have to i like it there's a lot of great stuff about it honestly it was some of the most depth we got out of any of these songs lyrically um, but it is basically tied, you know, at the bottom with another song for me, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, um, I don't care for it much to be honest, especially musically. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, I'm bringing up the rear with a song about the rear and that we're very familiar with, uh, scum is actually my <laughs> least favorite on this album. Uh, it's kind of a throwaway track. It's funny as hell, but you know. There's not much to consider there. And, you know, as a piece of its time about a conflict that Nick had, it's a great 
relic um but otherwise not super interesting in any of the key metrics that get me interested in these songs so bringing in bringing in the bottom with that scum yeah and i think that's about where where i would have put it i think before this re-listen honestly um what's your uh what's your number eight bud well that's also something we're very familiar with at this point long time man is is mm. bringing in the next um just because it's it's a cover it doesn't make me think it's uh an awesome transition piece the music is on point it's you know nick's take on an otherwise awesome song um again very reverent and helped revitalize the career of tim rose back in the 90s but at the same time i i it's kind of a i turned my brain off when i listened to it and so yeah not a lot to grab onto andrew fair fair enough what's uh what's coming up next for you uh at number eight for me um and and really just kind of tied with stranger than kindness for songs i like but i'm not um not interested in really uh she fell away um musically really fun there's a lot going on vocal performance is excellent so many nice little turns but I just, you know, I don't feel a whole lot listening to it compared with something um, like a, like a, a Tupelo, like a Sad Waters, like a, even an In the Ghetto. You know, I just don't, nope. um, I don't feel it in my bones. Yeah, it's it's kind of a distant song, and that actually leads really well into my number seven because that is also she fell away. Um, mm. So you you have it a little bit farther down the list, but that's I have nothing against the song. I like it quite a bit. It's just on an album like this, it doesn't bring enough to the table to really stick out as something that, you know, I'd go back to for pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, honestly, you could play that for someone that had never heard Nick Cave and they probably would be like, damn, that's really good. But um, I think just knowing, you know, the depth that that Cave hits on so many times, it, it's hard for me to to feel a certain way about it. Yep. Number seven for yourself. This is this would be where I'd slip in scum. Um, I used to really not like this song, and I I don't care much for the lyrics. Um, the delivery is really fun though, and the music just man, I was really surprised how much I enjoyed uh, the music this time through. It's um, another good vocal performance, and I wouldn't put it much higher than Stranger Than Kindness or She Fell Away for myself, but. Um, yeah, this is probably where I'd put it in. It's it it um I, I turn my brain off less listening to this one. Yeah, right on. Um and so your number seven was She Fell Away. What's your number six? So this is this is where things really got kind of hairy. I think there were mm. two major groups on this album that I could separate, but you know, separating the songs themselves was really difficult. Um so take this with an asterisk that it could just be wrong. Uh, but, uh, number six is Jack shadow and mm. it pains me to say that because I, I <laughs> love the song lyrically. I love the story. Um, his delivery is totally controlled and totally wild, which really fits with, you know, what it's about. Um, however, musically, it doesn't necessarily do it for me all the way through. Um, and when I, when I'm thinking about, you know, the richness that I appreciate on so many of these tracks, it's the one that kind of comes up the most wanting. So um difficult 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 call but yeah jack shadow is is coming at number six and uh mm. 
Andrew, what uh, what elevates itself just above scum for you? Well, that would be number six, Jack's Shadow for oh me as well. Oh my god. Um, it, great song. Honestly, I think it's maybe... Yeah, it might be my favorite musically on the album. I think it is pretty rich. There's a lot going on. Um, that said, there's a lot with the the vocals that kind of, I think, are, are a little better than the music um, in a lot of ways. I think, again, Nick's carrying this album with his performance. Subject matter, I'm just not as interested in as some other songs we'll be talking about. Um, and this is kind of at the top of my lower half lower tier of the album just because it the songs above it just do some things better for me yeah yep yeah i couldn't even really put my finger on it much like a shadow um <laughs> i think jack's shadow and she fell away are just really great um you know we'll see this as he does more puts out more material but some of these albums that have huge classics you gotta have some you know side b just this is a good song kind of additions so that not everything's super heavy all the time yep coming in at number five for me is another one that's really painful for me to put this low especially because it, it really took my breath away listening to it again this time i definitely fell in love with this song but i gotta put sad waters here at number five. Ooh, ooh, why how how <laughs> i know <laughs> i knew you'd be i knew you'd you'd get the pitchfork out for me i just Man. um it by virtue of liking everything above it more that's it right on nothing specific nothing uh yeah i mean no it's, just... it's the most relatable song on this album for me i think in a in a lot of ways and i have a lot of love for it there i think musically it's um again as vocals do more for me than the music yeah that's it right on it's a classic it's a stone cold classic i just like the other songs more yeah that's i think that that's going to be all i'm going to say about the rest of these tracks too um (laughs) coming in number five for me i've got i've got stranger than kindness um Mm. it's right in the middle it's such a strange composition it's got that you know just constant thrum behind it um, we did get so much out of the reading, though, that it really yeah. elevated itself when I when I listened to it. That this isn't one I could turn my brain off with. Um, I still think when I when I go past Motel, the bottled light. I'm still thinking about what that means. I'm still thinking about everything that we had talked about, and you know, just the fact that it stuck with me so strongly this time. Um, I think puts it right dead in the middle. In that it was one of the tracks that I literally forgot about on this album for years. Um, and is now one that really sets a mood and a tone for the album as a whole. And so I, I very much respect it for that. And the reason it's not higher is because the stuff above it just I, does all of that, but a little bit better, I think, or more strongly. Yeah, and, and weirdly, this song turned out to kind of be the most, you know, maybe it's tied with uh, the Carney, but a lot of staying power, one of the more um, well-liked and important songs from this album. Yep. Um, definitely elevated by Cave himself, even though he didn't write it. Yeah, absolutely. Another another flawless delivery. Uh, and Sean, what you got for number four? We're getting up here. That's right, we are. Um, well, I think this is, yeah, this is number, oh my God, we are, we're just booking it. Um, number four, I'm going to perhaps 
have a controversial opinion perhaps maybe uh the carney is coming in at number four it's mm. it's up there but it's kind of still lower on the totem pole than when we were coming in for sure uh i huge props to this song because you know it's just really a fucked up fairy tale in the middle of an album that is is very human and gets to the heart of love and loss and hatred and self-loathing and melancholy and somehow he manages to fit in this weird this absolutely bizarre scene into that conversation without it feeling like um it's completely out of place and without losing any sort of the um thoughtfulness and tension of these other pieces and when I when I started listening, it really was not necessarily a sore thumb because it just stuck out on the album as the most, as the strangest, as the thing that stuck with me the longest when I wasn't listening quite as as closely to everything else. Um, but it's it's kind of mellowed out in that respect and just kind of faded into the album itself, and in that has lost some of its power, but still is just a fantastic track. So, number four, absolutely. The Carney. <laughs> Andrew, number four. Number four for me is The Carney. Um, it's so important. It's so fun. Um, they would return to this format in a different, in a slightly different way. You know, we've got O'Malley's Bar and The Curse of Millhaven and these long songs coming up. Those are from a first-person perspective. This is just such a dead end for the band. Um, just telling this long story about these people and it almost doesn't really matter, but that's kind of part of the point. And um, there's just so much here and so much to it. It's, it's a classic. I'd put it on a, a mix if I was trying to get somebody into the band, but it just feels kind of like a, you know, what, what is its place? Um, yeah. Other than being something fun to enjoy. Yeah. I, I again, you know, on certain other albums, maybe this is the best song, but on this one, I just, uh, other stuff is more, uh, to my liking. Yeah. I'd, I'd say it's the most unique song on the album, but definitely not, uh, up there with the next three at the very least. And Andrew, number three, we're getting into the top three. This is bronze metal. What is, <laughs> what is coming in here hot at your coming in number three? Hot. Number three uh feeling real guilty about this one um i gotta put long time man all the way up here i this song is so satisfying to me musically vocally you know we talked about not really identifying with the lyrics or whatever but um it fits in so well with his other stuff you wouldn't almost know it's a cover it is my favorite nick cave cover for sure like not even not even close um and uh yeah i just this is maybe my favorite uh song vocally for him i i think the fact that this is number three on an album i'm not a huge fan of says a lot about how good his other stuff is more than um how much i don't like it but you know for a cover to be this high on my list i mean i i really just i think they fucking nailed it and it's just really satisfying i can put it on any time yeah no that's that's a hundred percent it and so i feel like i have to defend myself now because i put this at the very bottom um but i won't because i don't because (laughs) i think that we're just we're we're weighing the fact that it's a cover very differently and as i said when i described why i felt this way about long time man it's fucking 
it's as good as it could have been. It is itself in, you know, the platonic ideal sense. Um, so totally get yeah. that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come physically assault you for having that opinion. <laughs> Thank you. It's a tenuous alliance. Um, <laughs> what's your number three? Number three. Um, this one's rough for me. These, these top three are very rough for me. Um, I'm coming in hard, uh, with, a hard on for <laughs> hard on for love. <laughs> Number three, um, yeah, lyrically, this is 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 brilliantly juvenile, and I love everything about the song. I love the music. I love the image it conjures. Like I said, I just can't get that image of him slowly descending with this giant boner, um, like a vampire over some some not even a person. I don't even know what the fuck I'm thinking when I see this song. It's just it's a feeling. Um, and it's, it's amazing to, to see this, this song build from this restraint to just him going fucking berserk at the end. Um, it gets me every time and I listen all the way through, even though half the song is just the same fucking line over and over and over again, being panted <laughs> out. Um, absolutely phenomenal stuff. And yeah, I, you know, we're at a point now in the album. I don't have to say anything bad. I don't, I don't have any animosity towards this song. It's fucking amazing. That fucking rules. It fucking rules. I'll put this on forever. Uh, yeah, that's number number three for me. Right on. So getting down to it. Um, yeah, the top two for me were um, the two songs that I think of when I think of this album. Two songs I discovered very early in my my love for this band. Um, it, it really was a coin flip, but I think I had to go the route. I went with, uh, my ranking for the firstborn is dead. Whereas maybe I do like one of them a little bit more in, in it, you know, their own way. But like with the last one, I just couldn't put the, um, the head banging train long suffering over Tupelo. Mm-hmm. I can't put hard on for love at number one. I it's so good. It really got me into the band. But my number two here is hard on for love. Um, I can't. It's. It was really shocking coming from Abattoir Blues, where I got into this band and hearing this song for the first time. Um, I didn't know they had this kind of raw power, and uh, not not a thing I can say bad about this song. It's if I were to see him live again, this would be you know, a song I would want on the set list if I could have it every time. So that's my number two, Hard On For Love. What's your number two, Sean? Even though I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Uh, this is, yeah, it's it's rough, but, uh, you know, this list has changed a couple times in the past few days. Um, these two especially have gone back and forth, and it's, it's hard to say. I mean, they might as well just be one Frankenstein, one, two at the top. Um, but... <laughs> As to not create an alloy, the silver medal is your funeral, my trial. Uh, the titular yes. track. It's it's just it's an epic piece. It's it's poetic. It's it's introspective. Um, it takes us uh, on a walk through night, metaphorical or otherwise, with really the archetypical Cavian character uh, on a road to God knows where. Like you know, through his own thoughts, through his own life, through through all of this. Um, imagery and it could just be a man out on a walk at night who fucking knows um but it, it's really a wild turn from the first two albums and a lot of the tracks on here and um 
it, it shows, I think, the most growth for the band and for Cave as a lyricist of any of the songs on here. And really, you know, if I'm if I'm thinking about this, is that kind of monkey to man diagram where it starts off with a monkey and, you know, at the end you have a walking man. This is one of those monkeys in the middle. This would this would make it to the diagram as far as the evolution of the bad seeds. Um so not a bad thing to say about it. I I fucking adore this song, but that that is my number two. Andrew. Yeah, so I guess I'll yeah jump in here. This is my number one. Um a lot of imagery when I listen to this song. A lot of you know, maybe some memories too. Just a, a really instrumental song in getting me into the band. Uh, totally agree. It's a huge step in the growth of the band and and the growth of him as a singer, performer, and uh, lyricist. And I I just love it, love it to death. Really hard for me to pick between this one and Hard On for Love, but like Tupelo over. Uh, Train Long Suffering, I just, I got to hand it to something that has a little more weight um, to it when there's a tie. So that's where I'm at. Sean, what you got to say about your number one? Ah, well, my number one is, it's a song that I guess doesn't carry the same weight as some of these other ones. It is not itself um, perhaps as standalone or as evident of growth, but it, it feels like one of those eternal songs that I'll always go back to. And honestly would fit on a number of different albums um it has it has a strange timeless sound to me where it's it's almost a parable it's it's something apart from a lot of the other songs he's created and so number one is obviously the only song left sad waters um it it paints such a perfect image in my mind of what it is and and what's being talked about and leaves so much ambiguity that it's just it's a fine piece of classical art to me and whenever it comes on it it gives me a rush of joy and a rush of sadness it it gives me a moment of quiet and like i said it just would fit most places on most music mixes even not even just cave stuff um it's kind of a all-purpose song for me I, i don't know where i would put it um save that i could put it anywhere and would know that it would be good for any listener, people unfamiliar with Cave, people familiar with Cave, um, almost any situation. It's just, I don't know. That's that's what elevated it as well above the titular track here is that it's just, it's so ethereal. It's so, you know, outside of the rest of this album, it's the perfect intro, but in itself is kind of the perfect um, standalone song that that really rises above the rest i can find nothing bad to say about it so it's my number one got a hard on for sad waters <laughs> yeah i mean this this album grew a lot for me on this this listen i mean we've we've definitely become more acquainted with these albums as we've gone but i think this one uh this one was a massive jump for me and also reinforced things i don't uh click with as much so three albums deep um really motor in here we're going to be getting to uh the absolutely absolutely essential tender prey the fifth album so when next you listen um you'll want to check out what some might say is the defining moment of nick cave's career um certainly at least to the point we're at the mercy seat Ooh. That's a big one. It's a big one. It's going to be one of the biggest uh, biggest ones that we'll, uh, we'll see. 
a massive song in his career. So stay tuned for that. Check that song out um, for next time. Sean, where can they find us? Well, you can find us. Uh, we haven't mentioned it in a while, but you can find us in our in your walls uh, most days. Don't don't look, but we're still there. Uh, look, you but don't touch. <laughs> you know, try what you feel. We'll see how we react. Uh, you can find us on the internet by emailing us electronic mail uh, at todayslessonpod at gmail.com. Send us a note. Love us. Hate us. Want to send us spam? Do whatever you want. Todayslessonpod at gmail.com. You can interact with us in real time. Chat with the boys on Twitter at todayslessonpod. Give us a tweet. Or if you think we're doing a great job and you'd like to support the ongoing work that we are doing as we trek through the albums of Nicholas Cave, you can throw us some dollars at patreon.com slash today's lesson. Until next time, come on out to Cave Fest, hosted by us, Andrew and Sean, this weekend uh, at the Safeway parking lot. Uh, we yep. do have to be out of there by 9 p.m., so, you know, come say hi, uh, do some shopping, get your shopping done, and uh, yeah, we'll just be sitting out in the parking lot. Yeah, uh, I think we, we managed to secure a tent. You should see a tent somewhere out there. Um, we did not manage to secure permits, so we'll be on the edges of the parking lot. Uh, but come over and have a cold cheese sandwich and uh, chat over a fine glass of Perrier water. Absolutely, if they have that stuff, because um, that's where we'll be. We will not be supplying it. You'll have to go in um, on your own. Don't tell anyone that we're out there because, again, we don't have the permits. Um, wherever, wherever you are, we're at that Safeway. That's right. That's right. And uh, 9 again, p.m. 9 p.m. Andrew, three albums deep. I just want to honor you and honor our podcast and honor our friendship uh, as we've as we made it this far. I never thought they said it couldn't be done. The haters. Bye. <laughs>